welcome to Deep Rooted Healing, a contemplative podcast exploring the healing bridges that connect the body, mind, heart, and soul, including creative practices, touch, nature, spirituality, and community. I'm Emma Freeman, an artist, poet, massage therapist, and Reiki practitioner. I'm a highly sensitive person and sober. This podcast is a record of my own unfolding spiritual journey. May it be supportive for you in some way. I'm so glad you're here. Hello, everyone. This week, I want to talk about color. I love, absolutely love color. It is one of my favorite languages to communicate in by far. It excites me and energizes me and inspires me. I love it. I love thinking about it, looking at it, talking about it all of it. And I really love telling color stories in my art. That's how I like to think about it when colors talk to each other and dance with each other, that they're telling stories. I love to tell story color stories in the way I dress and how I decorate spaces. And I'll often tell friends and family, ooh, good color story. When I look at an outfit that they have on and colors are talking to each other, um, it's a really fun thing that I like to do. And speaking of color stories, here's one from way back. When I was about four years old, I was a junior bridesmaid in my aunt's wedding with my twin sister. And we had to wear pink dresses. And I refused to walk down the aisle. I had my arms firmly crossed and I said through clenched teeth, I hate pink. I was so pissed that I had to wear pink. And in the photos, I refused to smile and I was just angry because I felt it in my whole body. I was so mad that I had to wear that color because I hated it. And from a very young age, I've had very strong opinions and feelings about colors in the same ways I do now. I have ones that I love and ones that I hate. And those feelings are ever, you know, they, they have evolved over time. The colors that I'm drawn to have evolved over time, but I still have those strong feelings about them. And when I was young too, I started mixing and matching colors and patterns in my outfits in the similar ways that I do now. And I would take um, a piece from here and a piece from there and mix them together in ways I didn't see anyone around me doing. I wasn't getting inspired from other people's outfits. It was it was happening through my imagination and through my intuition, just seeing what colors and patterns talked to each other. And I would do the same thing in my bedroom. I would paint it funky colors. And I just started telling color stories by playing around. And I didn't have the language back then that I do now, of course. I just was following, you know, feelings would flow through me and I would follow them and express them. And I had no idea how much color would come to play a huge role in my life and in my art and continue to show me the way back into my art and also reveal myself to me over and over again, bring me home to myself over and over again when I felt incredibly lost. And lots of different things did that, but I think color was one of them because at different moments throughout my life, and this still happens, I will see a color or a color combination and feel something so strongly. And I think of that now as a road sign saying, yes, 
go there, collect that, explore that. Or I'll feel similarly strongly about co a color combination that I don't like. And I feel like that's a, a road sign saying, no, don't go down that road. You don't need to go. That's not the road for you to go down. And that's been really helpful to reflect on and notice looking backwards how much color has really impacted me and been a uh, this guiding force in my life. And if you look at my art, you'll notice the colors. I love bright, bold, rich colors and mixed with black and white. And I also really love earthy colors and I tend to play back and forth between those three worlds. So the bold, bright, rich colors, the black and white, and then the earthy colors. And I don't find myself drawn to pastels often, right now anyways. And it feels similar to my deep love for soul music. What I love about soul music is I feel it in my body. And that's what I want from colors too. I want to feel it really, I want to feel colors really strongly and bold colors do that for me. But I also really love simplicity. So I have discovered just through the process of making a lot of art that I will choose one or two or maybe three colors and then let them breathe. Maybe I'll come I'll combine them with a pattern, but I don't like a lot of layers of colors all together. I don't I I if I see a lot of colors together, it feels chaotic to my eye. But I do really love pops of strong colors because there's this vitality and strong energy to them that moves around in the piece. But then I like the space of simplicity to let them, it feels like they're breathing, you know, that there's just room for them to move around and really sing without a lot going on. So I've just discovered that through the process, through the creative process. And I don't like traditional color theory or wheel or color wheels. I've used both and they feel too intellectual for me and not intuitive enough. I think because I've always had such strong opinions and feelings about color, but I do understand how they can be really helpful as teaching tools because they can be doorways into color for for us to try new combinations, to start developing that language, to even have a place to start. So I, I see why they can be really helpful. I prefer to approach it as trying to tell color stories. So it, when I invite in that playful spirit, rather than doing things the right, quote unquote, right way, for instance, choosing complementary colors and making pieces based on those, if I use my intuition and really use that playful idea of telling the color stories, I end up with eclectic, interesting, unique combinations of colors. Kind of like, you know when little kids dress themselves and they mix and match all of these things that adults wouldn't mix together? It's like that. And that's basically how I dress myself. <laughs> and I think that's how, it's that spirit that I approach my art with too and with color in general. Um, so yeah, I just thought of that. And my favorite ways to use color right now in my art practice are, well, I'm making mixed media collages and these fabric meditation books that I'm uh, making out of repurposed fabric from things like curtains and napkins and dish towels. And then I'm using a variety of threads to stitch within them. 
And with those two projects, the colors will emerge while I sit and play with a lot of materials at my art table. So I will go through a gathering stage, which for me means dyeing tea bags with watercolor paints and acrylic inks. I'll dye cheesecloth with acrylic ink. I'll go through my fabric stash and pull out pieces that are catching my eye in the moment. And then I'll pull out different threads, like right now I'm using Japanese sashiko and kogan embroidery threads and some uh, cotton sewing threads. So I'll gather all those materials and then I'll lay them out on my table and I'll start to ponder and watch and tune in and contemplate. And if I give myself time and space to do that, eventually something will happen. Some piece in one of those piles will jump out at me and then I will pull something from another pile and I'll put them together and see what they do. Are they talking to each other? Are they starting to dance? And if they are, then I'll let them sit there. Sometimes they'll sit for a while. Other times I will, after I pull those two, it'll, you know, then I'll look at the piles again and see is there something that wants to join them and join this story and I'll build it from there. And like right now, I've got probably five or six piles on my table in front of me that are from that process that I went through and nothing is glued down yet. So I've got three elements within each pile and they're just sitting there and breathing. And I really don't rush that process. I let them sit as long as they need to and then I will revisit them and eventually something will, the next step will emerge um, or I may end up taking, disassembling the materials and, and starting kind of that process again. But the colors really start to take shape through the process of playing a lot with different materials. With my drawings, it's a little bit different. So with those, I do all of them with black pen, black micron pen in my sketchbook. And then I will scan them and open them in Photoshop. And I'll open the swatches tab of all the colors. And I'll take the paint bucket tool and then drop in different colors in different areas. And I'll do that a lot. I'll play with a lot of different combinations until something starts to feel right. Something starts to dance. And often I'll make four or five versions of a drawing that I'll save on my computer. And then eventually I may revisit those, maybe refine the colors a little bit, maybe whittle it down to one or two versions. And then those will become the greeting cards that I make, the art prints, the um, different fabric collections, all the different products that I make from my drawings. That's how those will emerge eventually. So across everything that I work in, play and experimentation are essential for me to develop and discover my color language for each piece and then eventually for a body of work. So the body of work has, you know, a consistent color language. So it's, they're all, all the pieces are communicating with each other. And often I will have materials laying out on my art table when I haven't gone through that conscious gathering process that I described. If I'm doing other things like updating my website or prepping for a class or working on the podcast, I will still have piles of things around me. Like right now there's piles of cheesecloth, some tea bags, some feathers and sea glass and some thread. And I'll find if I'm doing something else, often something will catch my eye and if I pull that out and just set it somewhere 
that might lead to something too. So I find that colors are just always, you know, they're swirling around me all the time. I mean, in the world, but at my art table, I never have a perfectly clean table because I've discovered that I really need the energy of the materials around all the time to jump out at me and talk to me. And I will go through times where I clear everything off or take one pile away and bring in new materials. And I find that that invites in new creative energy and just moves things around in a way that gets the creative process going. And I really love to play with different colors and challenge myself with some gentle assignment. So I will do things like say, today for the next hour, I'm gonna just make black and white work. Or I'm gonna try making five or six mixed media collages that are all in earthy tones. And those kinds of gentle assignments feel like, you know, soft deadlines that help me not only expand my color horizons, but keep the momentum going in my work so it's moving forward. And some of the ways I love to expand my color language are through teaching. So I love watching other people make art for many different reasons, but one of them is watching how people approach color. So if I teach a technique or a medium that I love, Watching everyone at a table, you know, when I could teach in person, this would happen more than when I teach online, you can kind of see it when people hold up their work, but it's a different experience. The way that I really love it is when I'm gathered on at a table with a bunch of people and we all start creating and every single person will choose different color combinations and approach those color combinations in different ways. And I will get inspired by them. So sometimes I'll write down a note on my phone to combine these two acrylic inks or maybe I'll take a picture of what someone made to remember the color combination. I also love to go to the hardware store and gather those color sample cards for paint and I will get a whole wide range of colors and then I'll bring them back to my art table and cut them up and start playing a matching game. So I will move them around and see what happens when I put these two next to each other and these two next to each other and inevitably through that activity, I will discover new color combinations that's really fun. So I will take a picture of those together. I will sometimes glue or tape them down in my sketchbook, and then I can look back at those for ideas. I can also scan those pages in my sketchbook and use the dropper tool in Photoshop to, to pick that specific color and then drop that into a drawing, and that's really fun too. So that's an activity that I love to do periodically. And I find whenever I do it, different color combinations emerge. So um, they're not always the same. So there is always some fresh energy happening in that activity. I also really love going to thrift stores and I'll wander around and just see what colors jump out at me. Sometimes it's a color combination on a blanket or a shirt or a scarf. I may buy that thing if I want it in my life, or I'll just take a picture to reference for the color in my art down the road. I also like um, in thrift stores going through the book section. I've discovered that vintage books have such beautiful, a lot of them have beautiful co covers that are in bright colors. They have illustrations that catch my eye. So I may buy those books. I turn a lot of those books into sketchbooks now, but also I may just buy them to have, or I'll take a picture so I can reference them. 
I like going to fabric stores for the same reason. I'll just wander around and see what catches my eye. And I may buy a little piece of fabric to use in my art, or I'll take a picture so I can reference the colors. And then Pinterest has become an incredibly helpful tool in my art practice in many ways. And with color, I have a board called, I think, Delicious Colors. And I just put images of color combinations that I love from various kinds of art. and um, But I also have many other different boards of different interior design in beautiful places around the world and food and different kinds of art. And all of them have different colors in them. So I will go through and just... Even when I'm not looking for, you know, I'm not working on a specific piece that I'm wanting to expand the colors on, sometimes I will just scroll through what I've gathered and feed myself, nourish myself with all of that beauty and the color therapy that it does for me. And I find if I do that, I may not be able to draw a clear line from point A to point B, like how what I looked at on Pinterest influenced what I made, but I have discovered that it does seep out and impact me and impact the colors that I like to work with. So I'll share a link to my Pinterest boards in the show notes in case you want to look at them. Um, I love that tool. It's amazing. And it's free. Uh, the other, uh, so a few more things I like to do. I like to go to bookstores, so I'll look in the art section and then in the children's book section, and I'll just flip through books that catch my eye, and if colors jump out at me, I may buy those books, or I'll just take a picture if it's maybe just one little section of an image. I love to go to farmer's markets for many reasons because they're wonderful, but the colors of the food really inspire me. And I love seeing all of them laid out in baskets and seeing all the vendors and the farmers together in this open outdoor space. It just is such a beautiful community experience, but I love, you know, I'll wander around and buy food and then I'll take pictures of colors that catch my eye. And throughout the season, the foods change. So the colors change. So it's fun to go back multiple times and see get new ideas for colors that way and then the last thing I will um, make color swatches in my sketchbook so I'll take the different watercolor paints markers acrylic inks Posca paint pens different things that I have and make swatches of all the colors that I have and then just make notes that about what brand it is and if the color you know if the Posca paint pen has a color name on it I'll just write that next to the swatch so then I can look back over time in the sketchbook and get new ideas <clears throat> and a story actually that came up an experience this week I was teaching a class on mixed media collage making and I was demoing how I love to dye cheesecloth with acrylic inks and I had a moment where I was going to use this turquoise teal color that I use a lot in my work and I my eye caught the bottle of purple which I had never used and in the split second I thought maybe I should use the purple to demo but I don't like purple really I don't have purple in my work and you know this was all internal and in a moment I thought well screw it for the demo I'm just going to use the purple and I'm so glad I did because by you know going beyond my color box that I had that color container that I had for myself in that split second it really um, opened up this new thing in my art so I ended up once that uh, the cheesecloth dried I cut it up and I laid it down on my table with 
So the pur purple cheesecloth with a tea bag that I dyed in this delicious poppy kind of orangey red color. And then I put a piece of black and white fabric on top of it and it's sitting in front of me right now. And I absolutely love it. And had I not taken that risk, that step towards the thing, toward like into that resistance, I wouldn't have discovered this combination. And now that I have this combination, it really broadens, it adds something new to my mixed media collage work because I'm introducing a new color. So it's adding variety and a, a new part of the story. So I'm gonna refer back to that moment in the future when I feel that resistance again or that hesitation to remind myself, oh right, it is worth taking that small risk which often can feel like a big risk. And then look what can happen. I have evidence now to say, look, something positive happened when I took that risk. And also I, it, I have found it really helpful in many different ways in different situations to talk myself through what's the worst thing that's going to happen. And I will talk it out loud to myself or in my head and really bringing my awareness and like conscious conversation to that. I find, you know, if I think through, okay, the worst thing that's going to happen is I'm not going to like this purple cheesecloth in my art and I will put it back in the pile and let it sit there. Okay. Well, actually that's not a big deal at all. Okay, well then I can take that step. And I find when I do that kind of reflection, it really takes the weight and the power out of that fear and that that energy of being stuck and helps me take a step forward. And I do that in a lot of different ways in my life and find it incredibly helpful. And I find, you know, I could look at, think about, play with, <laughs> talk about colors all day. And I often do because it's, mm, I think it's my favorite language to communicate in. Definitely one of them. And I find the smallest bit of color will jump out at me when I'm out on a walk or I'm out in the world somewhere. It could be on a napkin or a tree or a pillow. And colors just, certain ones just vibrate to me. Like I can feel. I can feel them. They feel alive and magnetic and they draw me in. And I think color holds endless possibilities within art making. And I've discovered that a lot of people are not confident with color, but are drawn to it. I hear this over and over in art classes and in conversations that I have with people. And it seems like it's a language that people that a lot of people find really beautiful, that they're drawn to, but they don't understand how to communicate in it. They don't have that color confidence. And that's really why I love sharing my passion for color and the ways I like to explore it in the hope that it may open up that doorway into color in a new way for some people to start to play with and explore. Because I find that it's such a fun, healing, exciting, energizing experience using color. And it can really, it has brought so much meaning into my life. It's helped me, I mean, it helps me constantly express myself creatively in my art, in the way that I dress, in the way that I decorate spaces, you know, all the things I've mentioned. It really is a tool for creative self-expression that I feel incredibly passionate about. 
And I actually, and I find myself wondering about the lack of color in a lot of American whitewashed culture. You know, there's a love, I don't even know if it's a love. The beige is a very popular color for houses, for clothes. Cars are very, tend to be very kind of muted, safe colors. And, you know, especially in the suburbs, there's lots of beige things and white things. And it makes me wonder about connections to the deep roots of racism in this country and the disconnection, the deep disconnection from all the gifts that the full range of colors offer us. Depth and nuance, subtleties, complexities, richness, beauty and stories and connections and joy and pleasure and resonance and happiness and excitement. And there's something about color that connects to us on deeper levels, I think. Looking at a sunset, being surrounded by lush trees and plants in a forest, seeing the first flowers come up in the spring. I think that that connection is in all of us. And I think that we all have relationships with color or could that maybe it's just been kind of severed or cut off. We've just kind of, a lot of us have kind of lost touch with that or maybe haven't had grown up with examples of it or really learned, just like learning any language. If you're not surrounded by people speaking a language, how are you going to learn how to communicate in it? And I think so much of American culture is that lack of color in many, many different ways, you know, or the, the fear of color in many ways. And um, I find myself reflecting on that too recently. So I wanted to share that. Okay, well, I think that's it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. I really hope you enjoyed this episode on color. And um, if you did, I'd love if you left a review that really helps other artists and people interested in art find my podcast more easily in the sea of a bajillion options that are out there. And I also set up a Patreon page to help support this creative project of mine. So if you'd like to, you can make a small monthly contribution, which will help me offset the cost of creating this podcast and help me be able to keep this going and breathe fresh energy and more put more time into it. And I'm going to continue to share my own insights and reflections, and then I'm going to continue to interview more artists. So of course, no pressure at all. I'm just grateful that you're listening and coming along on this evolving creative project of mine. But if you do want to support it financially, that would be wonderful. And you can find the link to my Patreon page in the show notes for this episode and also by going to my website, emmafreemandesigns.com, and you'll see a podcast link at the top and the Patreon page will be below that. Okay, thank you so much for listening and I will see you next time.